As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 9. Never in my wild imagination did I feel like I had to compete with a financial announcement. Oh my. We try to say, you know, what elder do we want to have do this, you know? And Greg, you have set a standard. I can't imagine anyone else coming close. Wow, that was amazing. It really was. That's two applause for a financial announcement, brother. Man. Got Zach Van Dyke, our, our youth director, who doesn't even like football, making football analogies. What in the world is happening here? I want to begin this morning by telling you, I feel your pain. I want to begin by telling you, and it's truthful, I, I, I understand many of your all's pain, your plight. Oh my goodness, I look up and see John Edmondson, look at the goofy sweater he's got on, for goodness sakes. Listen... You're rivaling the obnoxious Gator fans now. It's obnoxious. This is church. (sighs) Lord help me. I got distractions all around me here today. My point is this. I feel your pain. I really do. I feel your pain because I have sat in your seat not too long ago, just about four or five weeks ago, I was sitting in your seat and I was listening to a preacher preach and a a friend of mine who I went to seminary with and we were out of town and he went to his church and he started to preach out of John 11. If you don't know John 11, that's uh, Jesus saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. Uh, Amazing chapter where he raises from the dead a man named Lazarus. And as he sat there and preached, I felt a little uncomfortable. Because he was saying and making a very fine point, he was saying, you know, God has a tendency and God loves to make beautiful things out of things that are broken. That God loves to bring beauty from ashes. He loves to take that which is torn, that which is broken, that which is messed up, and He loves to take those things and make them beautiful. And I sat there a bit uncomfortable. I said, man, He's very skilled. He seems to be weaving the story in a way that he's getting God off the hook. I know that skill. I got that skill. I've been trained in that skill. But is it true? I know how you feel. You sat there for weeks sometimes, maybe in the darkness of your own situation, squirming and saying, is that sleight of hand? I mean, because listen, how do we take the reality of our darkness and the reality of our brokenness and the reality of our frailness and the reality of our darkness, the darkness in which we live in, 
and a world around us and the darkness in which we live in in our own souls and have them collide with a mighty God who says that He is supreme, that He is the light of the world, that He is almighty, that He can do all things. And if that's the case, how do we take a mighty God colliding with our current reality and say it makes sense? I feel your pain. I know you're uncomfortable about that sometimes. Let's flip the story around. i got to stand up here and try to make that sense for you. 700 years ago, I mean, let me phrase that again, 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And man, did he make some huge promises. He said that God was going to come He was going to come himself as a baby. And Isaiah is telling us what this God is going to be called. And his name shall be called. And some of the things that Isaiah says about this God is this. That this God shall be called the Wonderful Counselor. Which basically means he knows all things. Which basically means that this God is a God with a plan. A plan for creation. We looked at this last week. A plan for new creation. Making folks like you and me who are dead in our trespasses and sins alive. This wonderful counselor taking those who by nature are children of wrath and making us beloved sons of God. A wonderful counselor was going to come. A wonderful plan for consummation of the end of all things. And a wonderful counselor has a plan for your life. In my life. You know, it's one thing to have a great plan. I'm sorry this came to my mind and I'm going to say it. I'm sure Urban Meyer had a great plan yesterday. It's a great coach. It didn't work. Apparently didn't have the mighty power to execute a wonderful plan. Well, Isaiah says that this God that's going to come is going to come in such a way that not only is He going to have a marvelous plan for the cosmos, but an intimate, personal plan for your life that not only will He have a plan, He'll be strong enough as mighty God to execute that plan. That there's nothing that He cannot do. How does that intersect with your life? How does mighty God intersect with your life? It it is true that God can do all things. How many of you have asked the question in the recent months or years of your life, if God can do all things, if God is mighty God, then why is this happening? Why is this prayer unfulfilled? Why does my life look like this? I mean, amazingly, Isaiah wrote this to a people who were walking in great darkness. It says it was deep darkness. As a matter of fact, it could be translated, for those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, a great light has appeared. Matthew chapter 4 quotes Isaiah 9. And Matthew 4 says that Jesus is the one that was promised. 
Jesus was that great light that's going to shine into the deep darkness. That Jesus is mighty God. And this morning, we are going to look at the absurdity, the absurdity of mighty God as a child born unto us. The absurdity of God, the Creator of the cosmos, the Sustainer of all things, being nursed by a teenage girl. The absurdity that Jesus is the light of the world and the light of men. And He's come to shine into our darkness. Now, I I promise you this, no sleight of hand here. I'm not here this morning to try to weasel God off the hook with some good theological you know, uh, nimbling around this verse. Because even with my life, there's some tension here, my friends. There's some tension that Jesus is this great light that shines into deep darkness. And we have to start asking the questions, what deep darkness did He shine into? And how in the world can we still be in such darkness? Have you read the news? Have you seen the kind of darkness we live in? Have you had a long look in the mirror and be reminded of the darkness that still dwells in your life? There's a mighty God. His name is Jesus. And He came to fight the darkness. And let's see how He did it. And let's do it honestly. And just say, God, come and shine brightly. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah 9. We're going to pick up verse 2 this week. Isaiah 9, 2, because this is going to remind us of this great darkness. And then we are going to read verses 6 and 7 of this amazing promise that God has for us. Let us be mindful that although Isaiah was a prophet that lived a long time from us, in a whole different context, He was a prophet that wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, in darkness as well, similar to ours, that God's given to us as a word today. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, deep darkness, or maybe the valley of the shadow of death, on them the light has shined. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of peace there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let us pray. Father, Your promises are so amazing that 
You would send to us a child to be born, a son to be given. And the government will be placed upon His shoulders. The government of Your kingdom and Your reign and Your rule. And that His name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And yet, Father, the reality is is that we still seem to be a people walking in great darkness. Where is that great light this morning? So, Father, we know that it's shining because You are the mighty God. We know that it shines in the darkness of our own lives. And Jesus, we ask that for Your glory and for this church's health and for this community and for the advancement of Christ's kingdom, that You would come and shine that great light on us again today. Only You can do it. I I don't have any ability to shine. I just reflect that light. So Father, may my words be touched with Your words in a a way that we see light. The light of life and the light of man and the face of Jesus. So open up our ears to hear Your truth. Spirit of living God, shine into the darkness of our minds, our unbelieving minds. Lovingly shine into the darkness of our hearts, our sinful, torn hearts, and mend them. Jesus, shine so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the great light that shines on us this morning. Father, I'm I'm nervous, I'm sinful, I'm torn, and I'm undone. Can you use me? Can you come and be with us? And if you do, I know we'll receive joy and challenge. And we promise to give you glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes I would love to have a God like a Mr. Potato Head God. You know Mr. Potato Head? For those of us who are in our 40s or 50s, uh, maybe that was on our Christmas list as a young child. Isn't it amazing how far we've come? Our kids are going to ask for interactive video games to shoot each other up. We just wanted a potato we could play with. (laughs) Potato that we could make the way we wanted to make it, to kind of decorate it, to feel the way that maybe we feel. If we're happy, we'd put that happy face smile on Mr. Potato Head. If we're angry, maybe we would give Mr. Potato Head angry eyes. If you don't know Mr. Potato Head, maybe you saw Mr. Potato Head in the movie Toy Story. His fame came back as Clifford Clavin's voice, uh, those of you who watch Cheers. But sometimes I would really like to have a Mr. Potato Head kind of God, you know? A Mr. Potato Head God where, where I could make him in my own image. 
to do the things that I would love for him to do, to be the kind of God I would love and like to have in my life and like to know and, and you know what, even like to worship and give my life to. I, I Truthfully, and this is your pastor really being honest with you, a lot of times I want a Mr. Potato Head kind of God. And then life comes crashing at me like it comes crashing at you. And, and, I, and I realize that I've probably put together this Mr. Potato Head God in my own image. And God loves me enough. He loves you enough to the reality. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to let you create your own God. I'm going to let you know, love, and worship the God who really is. And this is not a God that you and I create. This is a God that you and I discover by revelation, by His goodness, revealing Himself to us that we kneel and bow before and say, wow. And at times in our lives, we may be see dimly, but still by God's grace, He wants us to see Him and say, wow. That there really is a mighty God. And the absurdity of this mighty God is amazing that He would come and He would come and be God Almighty lying in the manger. That's what Christmas is about. I mean, Christmas is about this amazing, absurd God who is real, no Mr. Potato Head, who is mighty, who leads with love and mercy. Thank you, God. And yet, think of the absurdity of Isaiah. I mean, what was he on? I mean, Isaiah is going to say to us that, listen, God is going to come. And God is going to come as wonderful counselor. He's going to come as mighty God. And by the way, he's going to come as a little teeny weeny little baby laying on the straw. I want you to revolve in your mind the absurdity of that reality of Christmas. The absurdity that we see mighty God, creator of the cosmos, Redeemer of the world, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, as a baby lying asleep in straw. Talk about absurd. And why is that important? Because there's going to be many things about the God who is, who reveals Himself to us as mighty God, that seem absurd in our lives. How can God be mighty and my marriage be so pitiful? How could God be mighty and my kids being so rebellious? How could God be mighty and I'm still single? How could God be mighty and my financial situation is like this? How could God be mighty and I can't pay the bills? How can God be mighty and I'm not getting any better? How can God be mighty? Christmas is a celebration of a mighty God who comes as a helpless baby. And He comes to shine into the darkness. There's one aspect of mighty God that we're going to look at for the remaining few moments we have together, and it's this. It's how mighty God deals with deep darkness. There's a lot of things we could talk about mighty God. How mighty God creates everything out of nothing. We could talk about how mighty God takes you and me dust and makes us sons and daughters. We could talk about how mighty God has clothed us in His righteousness and His blood has forgiven us. And those are all incredible things. But specifically this morning, I want us to look at the reality of how mighty God dealt with the deep darkness in your life, in my life, and in this world. Richard Pratt uh, preached a sermon on mighty God several years ago at Orangewood. 
I listened to it this week, and he had a great quote. It's this. You have to wander in the darkness before you can wonder at the light. So I kind of want to use that for any of you here today that are maybe wandering in the darkness still. And maybe this Christmas there's more darkness than you ever dreamed of. And How can we get to the wonder of the great light? You see, the absurdity of God laying in the manger as mighty God as He's come to battle for us. Mighty God has this connotation. It's a warrior. I mean, the word here, mighty, I mean, this is amazing. Isaiah is going to say two things. He's going to say about this little child. He's going to use the word God. God in flesh. And that should make every one of us a little bit uncomfortable. It certainly made the Jewish folks a little bit uncomfortable that Jesus was God in flesh. But we were promised that he would be God. His name, El, was given to us. This is mighty, but it's all uh, God, but it's also mighty. This is like David's mighty men. God has given us his name as a warrior, a warrior to battle the deep darkness. And that is our greatest need. He battled our greatest enemies death, the darkness of evil. He came to be a warrior. And think of the absurdity of a warrior that comes in the face of a baby. But here's the whole point. For a great light to shine in the deep darkness, Jesus had to come and be a part of that darkness. That's the Christmas message. It's amazing. He had to understand the darkness of the womb. He had to understand the darkness of infancy and being completely dependent on a teenage girl. He had to understand the darkness of this entire world around us, the darkness of the sin that is completely around him. He remained sinless, but it says this, that he was tempted in every way by this darkness and yet did not stumble and did not sin. This mighty warrior named Jesus had to put on the garb of our flesh. He had to battle with our garb on so that we could relate to Him and He could give us victory over this amazing darkness. Do we get it? I mean, it's a mighty God and a frail little boy that stays behind in a temple and gets lost from his his family. It's a mighty God as we see being nailed to a tree in Calvary, battling against darkness so that we can be set free and live in light. It's a mighty God who seems so weak and so despised. It's mighty God who battles your darkness and my darkness so we could live in light. Listen, whatever your darkness is this Advent season, and I know this family... Some of you are in wonderful light right now. Things are good. But for the most of us, because of the economy, through some other tragedy, sadness, sickness, there's a lot of darkness still. And listen, God says He comes to us as Emmanuel, God with us. And we got to celebrate the absurdity of mighty God coming in with us and walking in the midst of our darkness. And if nothing else this Advent season, you got a God who relates to you you got a God who says, I understand that darkness. Yes, I am mighty God, but I clothe myself in flesh. I've set aside my glory. I've walked in your great darkness so I can relate. So I can know. But there's more than that. He's a God that comes into our darkness just not just so we have a story that unites us. 
He came and He battled our darkness. And He says, I'm going to overcome it for you. I'm going to win. That's the second part. point is this. Our mighty God who's a warrior that shines into the great darkness of our lives. Let's turn to John 1. John 1. John doesn't start off with a baby in a manger as Luke does. Matthew tells us about it. Mark starts with the baptism. John starts off with the creation of the world. But he says something very important about this mighty God. And right in the first five verses, it says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. This Jesus created all things. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And listen to this. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Our mighty God is a God who came into our darkness, battled our darkness, even the darkness of death. And He wins. And the darkness does not overcome the light of the world. So what's the point? I was at Band of Brothers this week and I sat at a table and next to me was a wonderful brother, a godly man, and he, he was kind of frustrated. He's just saying, you know, the world's just messed up and, you know, how, how, do we, how do we, as the church, go on offense? It seems like everything around us is so messed up and everything's so broken and the world's view is so crazy. The world's gone nuts. How in the world are we to respond? And I just... And reminded over and over and over again that you ready for this church? The darkness doesn't win. It doesn't win. We live our lives because Jesus has overcome death and darkness. You and I now are called the children of light. We are now the light of the world. And yes, it's dark out there. And you know the truth? Yes, it's dark in here. But Jesus says the darkness doesn't win. I'm mighty God. That tomb was empty. I am victorious. I am King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm coming back. There will be a day where darkness is done away with forever. So how do we live our lives? How do we just take a life that is so broken and a God who is so mighty and have them collide and have the both still be true? We know that he did defeat our greatest enemy, death. We know that the darkness didn't overcome. The light shines. The light shines in Christ. And listen, I've been there. I'm with you. Sometimes it feels like just a flicker. But we can live our lives with the reality because mighty God has come in the name of Jesus. He battled darkness, and darkness doesn't win. Light does. He overcame it. Did you see what Tebow wore yesterday? All right. What do you wear? John 16.33. You know what it says? It's pretty interesting. John 16.33 says this. I have said these things to you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is toward the end of his life. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Okay? Jesus is saying, I say these things to his disciples and now to us so that we may have peace. And listen to this. So that we 
that in me, in Jesus, we may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here is what that message says. Take heart, I have overcome darkness. The darkness doesn't win. The light does in me, not in you, but in me, you will have peace. My peace. You will also have tribulation. You're going to live in a broken world. Your life is going to be broken. Things aren't going to happen the way you want them to. Things that you didn't want as part of your story are going to become part of your story. You're going to say, I want a Mr. Potato Head God, one I can control. This God scares me. This God doesn't seem to be listening to me. This guy, God seems to be too busy for me. This God seems to be messing with my life. And then we fall on our knees and say, but there is a God who is. And His Son named Jesus is our Savior. And He's come into the darkness. And the darkness doesn't win. And in Him, we're victorious. Yes, we're going to have tribulation in this world. We're enemies to this world. This world hates us. This dark world wants to snuff out the light as it wanted to snuff out Jesus. But here's good news. It won't happen. Because Christ shines, we'll shine. Be Christ shines as mighty God. We're going to win. We're going to win. Even, when, even if we're killed. Even if we can't hang on. As His children, the light will never stop shining. Because it's not your light, it's His light. And He's overcome the world. And I'm overcome by it. He's overcome the world and I'm just a mess because of it. He's overcome the world and I'm His. And the light still shines. Our mighty God is a warrior who shines in the deep darkness. Our mighty God who's a God who is not overcome by darkness. Our mighty God is a God who's able to save us to the uttermost. There's a couple things I want to look at as we turn to the table. And this is it. Hebrews 7, verse 25, tells us that God is able to save us to the uttermost. Completely. Totally. 2 Timothy 1.12 says this, that what we've entrusted to Christ, that He will guard it. I'm persuaded that He is able to guard it until that last day. Okay, let me make the point. Christmas is a celebration of the absurdity that mighty God will come as a child. Christmas is a celebration of the absurdity that this mighty God is going to wrestle with a deep darkness and He's going to win. Now He's coming back someday to take away all the darkness, but that day is not today yet. But what we got to remember is this, that this Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who are His. And here's, we listen, we can't, we can't miss this. Because many of you are in darkness right now. Many of you, your life is upside down right now. Many of you, you're hanging on. And you're barely hanging on. And you're not sure how much longer you can hang on. I want you to know that this great, mighty God is going to save His children to the uttermost. And there's nothing that's going to snatch them out of His hand. There's nothing that's going to separate us from Him. And for those of us who still feel like we're walking in deep darkness, that great light will never go out. 
He is going to save us to the uttermost. We're going to make it home. We're going to see Him face to face. He wins and so will we in Christ Jesus. He is mighty God and mighty God lets nothing separate Him from His children. Let's nothing get in the way of the love of Christ for His children. Nothing. Not your brokenness. Not your continual sinfulness. Nothing will separate us from the love of God because He is mighty God. We are mighty sinners. We're mighty wanderers. We're mighty forgetful. It's not about our light. It's about His light. Isn't that good news? Yesterday was a great day for football. For many of you. And I really wanted to go to bed and get ready for the sermon, but there was this game on that was really exciting kind of late at night. It was Texas and Nebraska, and they're, they're lining up, and Texas has got the last second field goal, and the game's to be determined, and here comes the snap. The ball is down. The kicker comes up, and I tell you, Brett Musburger said the line of his lifetime, and he says, for everything. Really? <laughs> for everything? <laughs> for everything? I know it's a big kick, and I know the national championship is riding on this thing, but for everything? Come on. This is for everything. This is for everything. You see, the absurdity of mighty God is going to be broken so that the broken could be healed. The absurdity of the gospel story is that God would take on flesh and be a child born unto us, a son given to us, so that the light will never go out. And we're going to say, come to the table and say, this is truly for everything. He was broken so that we will be healed. The darkness thought it won on that cross, but that tomb was empty. So for those of us that are His, that know mighty God as Jesus in flesh, this is for everything. Come and eat it. Come and feed. Feed by faith again, Christ Jesus. And proclaim to the darkness in your life and proclaim to the darkness of this world that the light wins. That Christ wins. And come and partake of Christ again. And be filled with that light. Let me pray for us. Father, Thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, the mighty warrior over the darkness. And that He still shines brightly. Come and feed us, Lord Jesus. Thank You that this table says for everything. For the restoration of all things. For Your children to remind us that mighty God shines brightly in our darkness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.